What is going on, everyone? I am Mike. Welcome back to Network Podcast. It is Tuesday, January 11th, 2022. Wow, it's kind of weird to say that. We are talking with co-host Holden DePardo. Holden, how are we doing today? Doing great. It's a great start to a great new year. Here's the 2022. I almost said 2021 at the introduction. I'll never get that right, but it always (laughs) takes like a month to get get out of the habit of saying the previous year. Uh, How's everything going? It, it is. It's like a, it's like a givey, you know, it's a transition yeah. month. It's, you know, kind of work through it. Exactly. Um, exactly. How's everything going? It's all going great. It's all going great. Doing the regular shit. It's all the shit's going great. It's, or can I, I actually don't know. I don't curse on the show a lot. Are you allowed to curse here? I feel like I should know that it, by now. <laughs> you know, it's, it's say PG 13. So if you have PG-13? any kids listening, okay. yeah, it's PG 13. That's what I would say. As long as you're not dropping F bombs, we're okay. My crap is going great. We'll say that. My crap's going great. Good crap. <laughs> My crap. Okay, good. So, Holden, last time we talked was just before the holiday, and you know you had purchased a new iPhone, and you actually have gotten a new Mac, uh, which is kind of interestingly. What? How's everything going with your iPhone? Is the honeymoon period over? The honeymoon period is not over. I'm still quite infatuated with this phone. I'm recording on it, so I had to look up at it and marvel at its Sierra blue goodness. What's funny is to me is I went into it expecting ProMotion to be the main highlight for me. That's what I was most excited about getting in the phone, but it turns out it's still the battery life amazes me. I will finish a day with 70% left on on the charge. I don't even think about battery. It's just not a consideration of the day at all. The only time I check the battery is when I'm curious how much is left as opposed to like how much like oh am I getting close am I almost done do I need to go to a charger soon? It's more of like oh my god, how much is left on this phone right now? Like 80%? Holy crap. It just, I don't know. It's its really nice not having to worry about battery life, and that's the best feature, hands down. And I'm still impressed by it. It's just stupid to be impressed by battery life, I feel, but it, it is. It's impressive to me. The battery life is really remarkable, I would say, on the iPhone 13, 13 Pro, where you're just getting a lot of, you know, a, a lot of additional cycles where you weren't able to get that before. You know, we talked about it, but that is quite interesting. You also got a new MacBook Pro, right? I did, yeah. You did. 14-inch MacBook Pro. Nice. Welcome to the club. Uh, my <laughs> name is Mike. I'll be your host here today. And so what do you, <laughs> maybe we, we'll go into detail a little bit more later on, but like, what's your impression kind of at this point of your MacBook Pro? It's it's perfect in like every way. It's perfect. I thought I'd have to, I, I'm coming from 15-inch MacBook Pro, the 2017 model. And I thought that I'd have okay. to get used to a slightly smaller screen with the 14-inch, having it all. It's totally, it's totally solid. Um, the keyboard on it is phenomenal compared to the butterfly keyboard I, I had before. And just like the iPhone 13 Pro, the battery life is ridiculous. It's just out of this world. I, again, don't think about battery life. I almost never keep it plugged in until I have to. And on that note, I hardly use the MagSafe connector because I've never needed to quick charge it. And I have USB-C chargers in my bedroom and in my office. So I've never needed to even use MagSafe for the quick charge because it's just it just keeps its charge throughout the day perfectly. Um, so I'm super impressed with it. But I'm also not like putting it through the workflow. So I'm actually more curious, like, are you out of the honeymoon phase on your computer? Because you push your MacBook Pro to the limits. So you do a lot more with it than I do. I really enjoy it. I, I'd say it's probably one of the few things that I've purchased where I'm like, so using the 16 inch MacBook Pro, when you, it just removes all the distractions. That's probably the best way I could say it, put mm-hmm. it. Because it's so powerful, you don't notice any of the heavy lifting that your maybe your previous computer had to do. And it's just, it's a breeze. It's like, 
you know, a hot knife through butter, so to speak, where yeah. you can do things without necessarily waiting for it. It is immediate in terms of how quickly it acts or how quickly it responds to, you know, your key press or wanting to do something. Except for this very second here where my processes are like spiking, but I have no idea why. That's, it's just, it's being really temperamental right now. That's all I could say. Are you finding promotion on the MacBook Pro to not live up as much as it does on the iPhone? Can you explain a little bit more about what you mean by that? So I have found that certain apps, certain websites, actually Safari in general, doesn't feel as smooth as it does on my iPhone, both of which have promotion displays. So scrolling in particular, I feel like it's not been fully optimized. Yeah, I I think you're right. I think where apps that are First party on your iPhone probably will get optimized first and compared to first party apps on the Mac where they don't sell as many devices. Maybe it's not as noticeable, but I I can definitely agree with what you're saying where some apps just, they still feel like they're running at the old frame rate. Yeah. So let's talk on Apple news and rumors. First up, Apple audiobooks. So the news on the street is, I like how I say that. So word on the street is that Apple has some new services launching later on this year, which would be an audiobook service. So, you know, I guess maybe to unwind the clock a little bit. So Apple has a number of different services that they launched in 2020 and 2021 at part, as part of Apple One. And there's the rumor that, I think it's The Economist, if I'm not mistaken, but they were launching an audiobook service where if you're not familiar with audiobooks, like I have Audible, I think you have Audible as well, Holden. But Audible, I think, really has a stranglehold on the, oh, you have Blinkist, actually, I'm sorry. Yeah. I think Audible is like the biggest audiobook service where, which is owned by Amazon, and they have a number of different uh, content. What Apple, um, where I think I see Apple making kind of a difference here is that they come in and they could, much like they have for their podcast app, where they could offer maybe unique takes, different content in terms of offering to their people that subscribe to Apple One. That wasn't really eloquent at all. Holden, what what, what do you think about the Apple's audiobook service? So I don't know much about Audible, but is Audible, is it just all you can eat, like unlimited? Or is that like you get a certain amount of audiobooks you can redeem per month? Like, how does that work? Yep. So Audible has a couple different plans, but they're like, I think it's $14.95 and maybe $19 or $24.95 per month. And then for each, you know, different plan, they have a number of credits. So I get one credit for $14.95 and then I can exchange that for a book. Uh, if I don't like the book, I could return the book. I could listen to the book. It only includes the audio portion. If I want to, you know, read it as well as listen to it, like, you know, I'm a, that's probably how I listen to most of my books. Uh, I both listen to it and read it at the same time. You still have to pay the additional credit for the book itself. So it's not like it's free. And um, you could buy additional credits for, there's like a three credits for maybe $35 they offer is a thing. For Blinkist, is it all you can eat or is it per, uh, per book? It's all you can eat, but they're book summaries, and they're kind of like breaking oh, down like okay. the key ideas behind it. It's kind of like, hey, what is this book? Is this something I would want to read? And then I'll like kind of look at the Blinkist, look at the general idea, and be like, yeah, I would like to know more about that subject. So I'll delve into it that way. It's kind of a good way of previewing things beforehand. Um, and then also just like to kind of just familiarize yourself with certain concepts. But yeah, I'm curious if audio, if um, like this audiobooks thing with Apple would be, we're talking about the Audible, which is you can kind of redeem a certain number of audiobooks per month, or if it would be mm-hmm. all you can eat. All you can eat sounds very interesting to me because sometimes like you'll hear about a book and you're like, oh, that sounds really interesting. But I don't want to like, 
I feel weird spending money on a book and then getting a chapter into it and being like, this is not like what I wanted it to be. This is, you know, not well written or something like that. So kind of this idea of just picking what you want and listening to the whole book from there and then stopping if you don't like yeah, it. That's one of the advantages I would say of Audible where, you know, you can get to any port, you know, at any point in the book, even after you've completed it and still return the book and they'll give you a credit back. And I, I don't know how they actually revoke or remove the book from your library, but I don't know if I've ever noticed that. But either way, it's nice because for books that might be a little bit more entertaining when there's like maybe like a full cast, so they offer full, you know, full cast books. What was the one book that I read like that? It wasn't The Martian. It was another Andy Weir book. I, I, the name is escaping me at the moment. But they, so they offer, you know, full cast readings. They offer, you know, books that are read by the, by the author. And it's not necessarily like a more distilled version, like, which I think that's how you probably describe Blinkist, where it's just like, not to do it wrong, but it's not like a Cliff Notes version. It's, it's you know, it's like a very distilled kind of copy of it, right? That's how, you know, does that sound accurate? To what you, to what you have? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it very much is like a Cliff Notes kind of thing. Yeah. And so when you, when you get the Audible version, it's the full book. So it's, you know, the author reading for four hours or whoever the reader is or whoever the, um, the voice actor is. So it's definitely not scaled down. But I do like the fact that you can consume as much as you want. And you could be, you know, if you're a voracious reader and you could you know, listen to or read, you know, several books in a month. I try and read for 20 minutes a day. That's my goal. It works out well sometimes, not uh, not many others. <laughs> but I don't recall in the article seeing anything about price in here, about what they thought the prices price points would be. Yeah, I'm curious about that too. Because Apple's been kind of putting their services on the low end. Apple TV Plus is $5. Apple Arcade is $5. I mean, even news, I think, is a crazy value at $10 a month. But we're both on Apple One, so I kind of feel like it would just be included with Apple One Premiere. So it's kind of cost is doesn't really matter to us, I feel, but to other people that might who just want to, you know, pay per service. I think so, too. I think that where the Apple services, in my opinion, are never the like premier service. They're never the like the the like the least expensive. They're never the most expensive. They're trying to hit like 75, 80 percent of the people, which, you know, mm -hmm. if you think about um, like mail notes there, you know, that's what they're like aiming for, in my opinion. And I think that where you think of uh, like an Apple one, like an audiobook service, where they're going to have their own set of talent reading books. I don't know how that works in terms of licensing from the publishing houses. It's, I don't know. Well, also just like, this might be something they're just talking about, but they might not end up doing is the other part. Yeah, yeah you're right. Oh, that's interesting. Apple does not offer the ability to purchase TV shows in Brazil. Brazil has some crazy tax stuff, though. I know that. But that's more for, like, imported goods. So I know that, like, video game consoles are obscenely expensive in Brazil. Really? So what, what I thought was interesting is the way that Apple possibly could meld both audiobooks and, you know, and reading books. Maybe they would do something interesting there where it's some type of more, oh, wow, what if you could do something with, um, just pop in my head, like reading on a, like a, like a set of AR glasses, so instead of holding something in your hand, you would, you'd have your glasses on and you could flip through pages on a book with that. That would be kind of cool. That would be, yeah. Are you also kind of talking about merging the services? So like if you have the audiobook you, and, and the iBook, you can just read while listening? Because that yeah, would be so really that's what Audible offers now. Oh, it is. Okay, good. Yep. So through you have Audible for listening to books and then you have Kindle for reading books. And inside the Kindle app specifically, you can choose to 
both read and listen, or it will read aloud while it highlights the words, you know, as it goes through that, which is actually a very, it's a very nice kind of feature inside of the book for me. That's probably how I prefer to listen to books only because I get distracted easily. That's how I can say that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. On Blinkist, they have the same thing where like you can read it and then there's, you can also listen to the audio at the same time. And I get very distracted when reading. I'm one of the, one of those people who will like turn pages and then go, wait a second. Was I just Ooh. turning pages? And then I'll like look back, and be like, oh, no, no, I, I, I did read this. I just, I just like forgot, or like just kind of got zoned or something like that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess so. If we're talking about the service, you know, they launch, they launch services either in the spring, right? You know, that's when they did the TV service last, or in 2019. Wow, that seems like forever ago. They launched Apple TV Plus in the spring of 2019. Yeah, 2019, not 2020. Uh, they launched Apple TV in the fall of 2020. Mm-hmm. So maybe we could see that this year. That would be interesting. I'd like to see that come to fruition, my famous saying. Yeah, I mean, if they're expanding out their subscription services, audiobooks make sense as, for being one of them, for sure. It's kind of already in the reveal house of iTunes services they've already offered. So why not include that in a subscription? Because basically everything else has. Games in the App Store, subscription service, TV shows and movies, service, Mm-hmm. music, Apple music, you know, they, they have different services for things they've kind of already been paying, things you pay all a card for normally, Apple now has a service around. So audiobooks would make sense the next thing. It would make sense. It, it would be cool that you would be able to maybe switch contacts. You could go from reading your, reading the book on your device, maybe tapping your HomePod and having that transfer to the HomePod and start playing it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, audibly. That yeah. would be neat. I like that. And I don't think today that there is a Audible app for the Amazon or for the Apple TV. Is there a Blinkist app for the TV? I don't know. Or can you airplay checked. to the TV? Yeah. I haven't checked. I usually listen neat. to one before I go to bed is usually what I do. Do you? How how long are they? It depends. They're usually like 15 minutes. So pretty short. Oh. It just kind of like does a breakdown. I tested it by doing, they're called Blinks is what they call them. I tested it by listening to Blinks of books I've already read to see like if I found they were missing, you know, big parts of it, how well they did. And I found that they do a good job. It's just that they, they're not going to expound in a way that you normally see in a book. The book I'm reading right now where I thought the book was so good I, and the author is writing the book. I actually went out and bought the book uh, about halfway through the audible book or the audiobook, And I'm like, oh, wow, this is really good. Now I can actually kind of follow along in person. It would be interesting. Is it the it's not, is it the author that's giving you the summary or is it someone from Blinkist or how it's someone it? from you Blinkist. choose the read? It's someone from Blinkist. Okay. And also, so I didn't mention this too. It's it's nonfiction only. So you couldn't get stories and things like that. It's it's for it's for nonfiction books. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I'm gonna check that out. Let's talk about Google and their push to mo- make their services more aptly like, as I like to call it. So the rumor on the street is that Google is looking to make their services between the, you know, the Pixel phone, their Pixel Buds, Google TV or Android TV, I have no idea what they call it nowadays, more aptly like. And when I say that, I'm talking about making this like the seamless switching between that, uh, between the devices work more in line with how AirPods, Apple TV work. Now, today, if you were to buy a Pixel and which I actually own a Pixel, but uh, if you own Pixel Buds, you can not seamlessly switch or the, the AirPods do AirPods, whatever they're called, Pixel Buds, do not seamlessly switch in between devices, which is kind of a letdown when you first get it coming from an iPhone. You're like, oh my God, this is going to work so great. And you're like, no, it's not. Um, <laughs> but so they're looking to make those services more seamless and to attract people who are using iPhones and now using Pixel Buds or Pixel devices a little bit more 
know, make it make it a little bit more friendly for them to come over and, and see things here. I don't know about you, but I don't know if Google has this in their DNA to make this work. I don't really think that Google does a good job of integrating their services with hardware. We, I think we've seen that, at least in my experience. Yeah. They, they tend to refocus and kind of move the goalpost, but it just doesn't really work in my opinion. What are your thoughts about that? And they, they have one huge hurdle that Apple is never going to have. Apple's one entity. They collaborate with themselves much easier. Whereas if Google really wants to do this, they're going to have to have some serious integration with Microsoft just as a company and their business is working together. So when Windows 12 is being worked on, they're going to have to integrate the software into there. Wouldn't they have to do it that way? Otherwise, the alternative is the user has to set up their PC at home or their Mac with Google software in order to get that seamless syncing working. But if you're doing that, then it's not seamless like it is on an Apple product and it will never achieve what Apple can do by being one, you know, one organization. Like this reminds me of, you know, it's been in the news for the past day or so where their, they being Google is complaining about their inability to bring RCS messaging to many more devices and Apple, they're complaining about Apple not supporting RCS messaging. Are you familiar with the yeah. with the tweet? No, I haven't seen the tweet, no, but I know RCS. I think RCS is yeah. should be adopted. Apple needs to do that. Oh, oh so th- let's 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 take it to side tour here or uh, <laughs> let's divert here for a second. Why do you think that? I think that for example, sending images is really bad. And if I'm correct, you'd be able to have better image quality when you're sending messages over RCS than SMS. Right? You're correct. Okay. So yeah. when you are I guess specifically when you're uh, originating a message from your iPhone, right? Mm-hmm. And you're sending a message to someone who ha- doesn't have an iPhone, there'd be higher fidelity on the receiving party's end. Correct. And in, even including Android to Android. When I had a Nexus 4 and I had a Pixel 2, one of my biggest issues was messaging just sucks on Android. Mm-hmm. It's really bad. And I think that's one of the main advantages of using an iPhone is having iMessage. And RCS would, wouldn't be full iMessage, but it would be, because it wouldn't have iMessage apps, it wouldn't have a lot of the other stuff, but it, it would get Android closer to that. And SMS is, it just feels so outdated in comparison to what you can do in an iPhone that I just feel like they need to do it. And I also just think as an Apple user, if someone has an Android phone, I want a better experience texting them. I don't want to, you know, feel like if I send a picture to them, it's going to be some really crappy, you know, subpar quality version of the image I just sent. Now, do you think that experience is unique to the United States? That I don't know about. Okay. RCS is a suite of services underneath the GSMA, which is a GSM Mobile Alliance. And as like a carrier, like if you're Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile or a device manufacturer like, you know, Google or Samsung, even network operators like network oper- network vendors like Nokia or Alcatel Lucent, they send people to these working groups and they send people to the GSMA uh, working groups and they can participate in these different working groups wherever they feel that they can add value or wherever they want to see the, the you know the spec change. So a lot of people are participating in the the RCS specification. Apple is not one of them. So when you think about Apple has really no vested interest in making the experience for Android or making the experience for their customers when they're texting Android any better because it doesn't necessarily net them anything. Right. So as you mentioned, RCS is IP based where SMS is all circuit based. You have this layer of 
kind of interworking in between like IP and uh, SMS, where it's not, in my opinion at least, it's not necessarily to Apple's advantage to decide to add RCS to the suite of services that the iPhones supports because then they're always waiting for the, you know, the working group or the specification GSMA to push the specification forward. Apple's no longer, they no longer control like their, their course technology, iMessage, and they can't iterate it as quickly as they want to. Now within iMet or sorry, within RCS, there's a number of different things like universal profile, which is like your contact card. You can do like one-to-one messaging, one-to-many uh, one to many messaging, which is like um, group chat and a whole bunch of things for video, but they're not necessarily implemented on the iPhone or the iPhone or the iPad in the same exact way, which I don't know. I, I certainly understand Google's, um, why they're taking it up on Apple, but it's not Apple's responsibility to support RCS because really no matter what, SMS will always be the the fallback technology because you still get you know two-factor codes from there. You still get uh, there's still a number of things that come through an SMS gateway, which will won't go away for like a long period of time. So I understand the experience, but I, I think that experience where if I send someone a text message, or sorry, a, a MMS message, and they don't have an iPhone, I think that might be unique to the US because where in like in other countries in Europe or in Asia. People are not tied to the phone number; they're tied to the device, and because they have, they're tied to the device. They use WhatsApp or other messaging services, yeah. where IP-based features are like default. Like you get all the features that you have in iMessage, in WhatsApp, Telegram, like you know any number of ma- uh, messaging apps. That was a really long rant. No, 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 that was really interesting. So I guess I, I definitely agree with you in the sense that Google stands to benefit from this more than Apple does. I definitely agree with that. At the same time, and this might be a little contradictory, but I don't think it is. Um, at the same time, I do think there is a benefit for Apple. iMessage is always going to be better than RCS because they have more mm-hmm. control over it. And I think what could end up happening is, is that if RCS does get pushed through and Apple has zero say in it, then Android's going to be running off with RCS. Android's going to get used to RCS. Android users will be able to send RCS messages back and forth. And then anything cross-platform is just going to start to be terrible. Android users have a better experience messaging each other. iPhone users already have a better experience with iMessages messaging each other. And they could leave it like that and kind of make it so that, you know, oh, if you want the better experience, get an Android phone because more of your friends have Android phones or get an iPhone because more of your friends have iPhones because anything cross-platform would be SMS. But I think that it's in the interest of the users to offer RCS as cross-platform as well, because then Apple Mm -hmm. still then reigns supreme. Oh, you want something better than RCS that's only available on on Apple. I can message you from my iPhone to the Android phone, and you and I will have the same RCS experience, the same experience that you have messaging people with SMS right now. But then the, and this is kind of to your point too, this is, this is much more US centric, but I feel like Apple would still have the upper hand with iMessage if they were to do this. Whereas, I don't know, I don't like the whole cross platform with messaging. I feel like messaging should be platform agnostic whenever possible. iMessage being an exception because there's some, there are security, I think things in mind there Hmm. with encryption, that kind of stuff that I wouldn't want Google. I don't know. I feel weird if iMessage is on Android for security reasons, but, um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. But it's been so long now. Uh, I mean, I remember RCS being talked about back, you know, what, 2018, 2017, 2018 in that time frame. It's been a while. I worked on an RCS deployment for a carrier in like 2016 or 2015. Oh, wow. Okay, so it's, longer. yeah. Yeah. 
like it was running on a bread box. It's been that long. And I don't know, I understand your position and I don't disagree with it, but like I'm thinking in terms of what Apple has to gain. I don't know if it's maybe as clear to me as as you put it at this point. I guess we'll we'll see what happens. I don't. Yeah, and one thing to I don't know. y'all say this, you've definitely you know maybe look at this in a different way where I'm less certain than I was before. One thing to kind of to kind of get to your side there is iPhone is a majority in the U.S., so RCS mm-hmm. is not as important to Apple in the U.S. Obviously, and then also to your point, then like if everyone's using WhatsApp and Telegram, Signal, and these other countries, then Apple really probably doesn't see a benefit at all. It really like you're. I think you're actually. I think you're right. Yeah. Like I, I guess if you if you think about like what you just said, like market share. Even though in the U.S. the market share is they're not in the majority, but if look around the world, they're there's many majority. countries. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Android. Where Android is the majority in 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 uh, many different places around the world because of cost. So if you ha- already have a lot of messaging happening on that platform being Android, and then you take, uh, you abstract out that it's not even being done over SMS. The majority of messaging is being done in third-party apps. Really, what it sounds like to me is that Google's trying to make an argument to implement RCS from Apple's side strictly for the benefit of U.S. customers. And, and of course, I'm in the U.S., you're in the U.S., yeah. we would benefit from that. But I don't know if it's just a, like I'm thinking from a business case, is there really value in that? I don't know. Yeah, it's tough. Well, this is also one of the age-old questions in technology is, and we'll actually kind of get to this later on with Bluetooth, is standardized technology or proprietary technology and which which is better. It really, a lot of it comes down to that. Yeah, and if you, if you think about what Apple does is they really take technologies that are very well-known and they're mature and they tweak them in such a way where they can control both sides of the equation uh, when, you know, when you're making those adjustments. And those adjustments offer a differentiated experience. Like when you think about, you know, how your AirPods seamlessly switch between devices, uh, we, were, we were talking about in the beginning, mm-hmm. uh, in between your iPhone and your iPad and your, your uh, whatchamacallit, and your Mac. That wouldn't be possible unless it was for Bluetooth, but it's the way that they architected, though, you know, the services to work in between uh, and added a layer of intelligence where, you know, I, I think that's what they're going to be going for, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. But let's, let's go back onto the main story here as we uh, took a nice little <laughs> detour or Google and their push to make things more happy like so I, I think we where we uh, right before we diverted was we we're talking about how in our opinion Google doesn't have this kind of necessarily in their wheelhouse I don't know you know of course it's something that I would want as a pixel user I'd want my device to be able to switch seamlessly but like do people really buy Android tablets like that one of the features that are I guess outlined in this article is where I could use my Google tablet and you know it's automatically um, a Wi-Fi hotspot for that device. I don't know if that is something that is a beneficial to like a lot of users. Yeah. You know, I, I, I agree. I, I know a lot of people who will have an Android phone and a Mac and an Android phone and a PC or even a PC and iPhone, but I don't think people buy. Yeah, you're right. I don't think people buy Android phones for that integration. I think just, they just buy Android phones because I heard the galaxy S 21 is a really good phone. I actually think that they buy Android devices and, and other tablets and other headphones because of the flexibility of Android, which is probably the, the greatest strength in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know what? You don't necessarily have to use, you know, if you buy a Samsung phone, you don't necessarily have to use Samsung headphones, though there is this optimization that, you know, that Samsung goes through. But I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too far removed from the equation to know what Android users want. <laughs> Anything else that you want to add there, Holden? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's this is just also one of those examples of Apple trying to become Google and Google trying to become Apple. Like, you know, Google's whole thing is machine learning and, and AI and that kind of stuff. Apple is, I want to put in quotes, lagging behind. I'm not, I don't, I'm putting that quote just because they just take such different approaches. Like Apple's always a little bit behind on, it's always a little bit behind on AI stuff just because they really do their AI locally. Like all their machine learning algorithms mm-hmm. are generally done locally, whereas Google can, you know, piggyback off their servers and send things to the cloud and they just handle it differently. And Apple's not going to do that because they're very privacy focused. So like Apple will be a little bit behind there and Google, uh, Google's just always going to be a little bit behind on the integration. Yeah. So I think it's just, they're just trying to fill in their gaps a little bit. I think is, is this is just another chapter in that story. Hmm. I mean, if, if they can do it and be successful. So if they could do it, first of all, I want them to be successful at it because it's only going to make the experience for everyone else better because it's going to put pressure on Apple, Yeah, which that's a win for everybody. I guess where what I don't want to happen is I don't want Google to go kind of like half-ass to say it right very nicely mm-hmm. where they do it and then they quit like in two years. You know, it, it's, yeah, they to do me, that, it's very frustrating. They? they do it very often and it's super <laughs> frustrating where... You don't want to become vested in something as a user because you there's always this like chance that they're going to say, ah, you know what, we're not going to do phones anymore or whatever the case is with their hardware. Mm-hmm. Would you ever consider getting an Android phone? Uh, not anymore. I, I think I've, I've done no. my I've done my time. I had an Nexus 4. I had the Pixel 2. Both, I think, are really good phones. I'm not one of those people who's just going to, you know, shame Android and see how terrible it is. But at this point, I know that the Apple ecosystem is the ecosystem I want to be in. So unless something really crazy changes, I think I'm in Apple for good now. So I'll be honest with you. I'm actually much more pleased with the Pixel experience than I thought I was going to be. And, I, you know, I've kept the phone. It is different than my iPhone. And I don't expect it to be the same at all. And there are some things that I like better, but in... You know, I think you hit it squarely on the head where it's in the, from an ecosystem perspective, it's very much like disjointed on the Android side in comparison, at least with the Pixel phone in comparison to the iPhone. Absolutely. Yeah. So I don't think this is necessarily a, a bit of news yet, but Apple announced they're going to have their earnings at the end of the month. Tim Cook is going to jump into the money pit like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> is it Scrooge McDuck? Yeah, Scrooge McDuck. Yeah. He's going to be spitting out coins out of his mouth. Come holiday earnings, which is in two weeks. So that's uh, that's two weeks from Thursday. Uh, They're probably not going to close their doors. Yeah. You know what? It, it, it's all been a giant Ponzi scheme. They actually have no money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in terms of predictions, I mean, they're going to sell a lot of stuff. I think iPhones will probably be less than they were in the tw- in, um, with iPhone 12. I wouldn't be surprised if they are flat or either they're a little bit less. And that's just because of shortages um, I Apple, I apparently let some of the component manufacturers know that they didn't need to order as many parts because they're seeing a slight dip in demand. I, as much as I love the 13 Pro, I don't think 13, the 13 series impressed in the same way the 12 series did when the 12 just came out. But that's typical of a of a of a new design. But also the super cycle of, you know, 5G on the 12 for the first time. So I don't think it's going to be a landmark year. You know, and, and one of the, for phones, at least. I, that's understand. For phones. What I think is interesting is where, you know, you have these many different pieces come together from a supply chain perspective. And, you know, maybe they're telling components, uh, component manufacturers or component suppliers, hey, listen, um, hey, battery guys, we don't need as many batteries right now because, you know, things are not going as well. Hey, uh, Bluetooth guys, we don't need as many components from you. But the leading 
problem there is maybe they can't get chips for their devices. And that's why they need to steady off or yeah. kind of push back. Because uh, there's all, even though there might be, you know, 100 different component suppliers in a device, there's still maybe there's five or six that they just can't get. Where if they were to have those, maybe they could use those other pieces in uh, or those other components in other devices. That's but you're right. Point. Supply chain is like super interesting. It's like, wow, how do you do that? Like there's a lot of interesting things with that. So you think that the number of iPhone devices that they were able to sell in the fourth quarter will be lower than the iPhone 12 or on par? On par or lower. I just, I mean, in, in the same ballpark or lower, I think is my my prediction. Because I mean, if it's a little bit higher, I guess it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I just, I think that, you know, you have new design that's going to attract attention. Um, I remember when I was mm-hmm. working in retail, I, I've never forget this. I mean, this is totally an anecdote story. It doesn't actually, it might not speak to a larger trend, but it's definitely something I noticed when working in retail was when the iPhone 4S was coming out and it was rumored to be called iPhone 5. It was going to have the teardrop mm-hmm. design and like there's all these crazy rumors about it. And I remember this guy literally, so this is, I was in a mall, he popped his head in the store and said, they asked the new iPhone? And I'm like, yeah, they did. He goes, does it look different? And I'm like, nope. And he's like, all right. And he just left. Like that was it. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that was a long time ago. Um, but that's a trend that I noticed very consistently, like over the years, and I've seen it online. Is oh, this is just the same thing. Like the iPhone 13, it's really no different than the iPhone 12. And like I think it is a very different phone, but um, at least from Apple standards. But if it does have a new design, then it might not appear that way. And I think that that's definitely I think has reflected in sales numbers for different devices. Hmm. I read somewhere that like if you were looking at their wearables category, it would be like. So it would be like a Fortune 50 company. Uh, yeah. Let's just see that. Apple. I think all their product lines, like Macs and iPads, is obviously iPhone. AirPods, I think, is one too. Uh, let's see here. So in 2020, it was a Fortune 120 company. That's how big it was. June 8th, 2021. Wow. It's quadrupled in size since 2017. That's amazing. That's so, that is amazing. That's just a, like a lot of, they're just, you know, him and Luca are just like printing money. <laughs> <laughs> like, how much do you want? Okay. Well, I am super interested to see what they do. And I think I, it'll be interesting to understand how the supply, uh, supply chain impacted their MacBooks because yeah. you were very lucky to go into the store and pick up one yeah. that was available I returned by one terabyte version and waited like four weeks for uh, another one. So I can't imagine how other people were just waiting for weeks and weeks because mine, I think I got mine maybe a week earlier than expected. I haven't compared the ship times, but I actually wonder if some of that might be the use cases for these MacBook Pros. Because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter talking about how like, there was one tweet that went around that was like, oh, uh, he's a developer and he's like, the compile times are so much faster on the MacBook Pro that it will literally save us hundreds of thousands of dollars per year if we got all of our employees these laptops. And like those mm-hmm. are people going to get higher spec machines, which might have more storage. And so I wonder if a lot of stuff like that is also um, influencing the demand on top of you know component shortages. But I, I wonder if there's like certain components that are selling better than others. Because for professional capacity, you might want two terabytes of storage where I'm fine with one terabyte. But at a company, you yeah. might not want to do that. Yeah, I'd be very curious. I think you're right. MacBook Pro sales are going to be through the roof. I mean, last year in 2020, well, two years ago now, well, one and a half times weird. Back in 2020 with the MacBook Airs and the uh, 13-inch MacBook Pro with the M1, those things sold really well because it was new, mm-hmm. the chips were better, all that stuff. So I, you're right, but I think there was more 
there was more hesitation then than there is now because True. everyone was like, like people were, I think still kind of taken aback by what Apple demonstrated on stage. And they were waiting for people like people who like either YouTubers or whatever the case is to get the devices and do more kind of real hands on real world tests. Yeah. The post and now it's been 18 months and people are like, oh my God, I know what it can do. Let me get this. I'm just looking at Apple's website right now. If I go order a 32, uh, sorry, a 16 inch MacBook Pro with 32 gigs of memory and one terabyte of storage, it's three to four weeks. If I choose two terabytes of storage, it's six to eight weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If I go to 64 gigs of memory, of RAM, sorry, it's still six to eight weeks. You're so lucky that you got it. Like I found it in the store. I, I can't, I'm so flabbergasted by that. I'm like, oh my God. That's kind of what added to the impulse was like, I was sick of the butterfly keyboard because my keyboard went out again. And I'm like, all right, let me just see if what's the availability on these things. How long would I have to wait? And it's like available for pickup today. And I'm like, all right, screw it. I'm doing it today. And so you have the 14 inch, you got the 24 core or the 32 core? I have the M1 Pro. Um, M1 Pro, M1. the 10 core, core, not the 8 core. Okay. And then um, one terabyte, 16 gigs of RAM. Okay, so that says three, three to four weeks. You're so lucky. Yeah, I really did get really lucky, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah, that is nuts. It's gorgeous. I love it. It's the best. I'm going to have it for a long what time. What color did you get? Space gray. Yeah, the only, the only space gray. Yeah, it, it's, it, I don't know. Silver looks weird to me now. It does, right? Yeah, it doesn't feel like there are, right. pe- there are people, no, it doesn't. People who are like, I love the silver. I'm like, oh my God, I, I don't know if I could ever go to having a, like a light colored notebook. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, just not going to do it. Not going to do it, buddy. Let's talk about some rumors. So first here, let's talk about the iPad Air 5. So the iPad Air 5, is rumored to come out this year. Now, the predecessor, the iPad Air 4, uh, came out in September or October 2020. So it's it'll be almost 18 months at this point or 16 months at this point. And it is the only device in the lineup that one has the A14 processor. So the both the uh, uh, iPad Air 9th generation and the iPad mini both have, I'm sorry, both the uh, iPad Air 9 and the iPad mini both have center stage. There's an older processor in the iPad Air 5, and it just maybe doesn't necessarily have some of the modern the modern niceties of some of the newer tablets. Now, what's interesting about this tablet is I don't know where the iPad Air 5 fits into Apple's lineup. You know, we were maybe trading messages uh, the other day where I'm like, I think the, uh, the iPad Air will stay where it's at, and I think Apple would get rid of the iPad Pro 11 inch because it just seems like those two devices are way too, the feature set's too close, but I don't know. Right now, it's mainly M1, the camera array, and ProMotion. It's really, oh, and Face ID. Those are the major differences. I don't know if many people would go for an 11 inch Pro just because of any one of those things. So I think I think you have a fair point there. If you were comparing the iPad Air 4 against the the new iPad Pro, it's like what you said. So uh, one, it's a four speaker. Four, oh yeah, four, four speaker speakers. audio. Yeah, four speaker audio, and that that stereo sound or the, the four speaker audio works in either orientation compared to just only being in landscape mode on the iPad Air Four. Um, you got the same display. So the iPad Pro 11 inch did not get the new um, mini LED display. So they they essentially True. have the same display. Yeah, Touch ID. The amount of RAM I think is different, but it's not much. It's only like it's I think it's like four gigs versus five gigs. The camera array, like what you pointed out, 
and Thunderbolt, which is I think the other addition. Yeah. But I don't know like if that's the if that's compelling for for someone. Mm-hmm. As someone who uses an iPad, you use an iPad Air 3, correct? Yes. If you were upgrading your iPad, not I know you're not because you just have a brand new iPad or a new, brand new MacBook. But what what do you think the deficiencies are in the iPad Air where you would want to upgrade? For me, I know I would want to upgrade to a Pro just because oh, wow. I want the ProMotion. The ProMotion is important to me because oh. I, I, okay. I really haven't used my iPad almost at all since I've gotten ProMotion on my <laughs> on my iPhone and my MacBook Pro. I can't do it. I'm so it's it's the thing is it's like uh, I'm, I'm being so snobby about it. I know. But it's the promotion is important to me in, in the face ID. Once you get used to face ID, it's very hard to go away on a MacBook Pro. I can get away. I'm comfortable not having face ID because I can just rest my finger on the track or on the keyboard. That's easy on an iPad. It feels mm-hmm. like it'd be awkward. Yeah. And I don't like that. I, I, I just don't like this. Especially when I'm used to face ID on my, on my iPhone. So I think I'd go for the pro for, for that reason, but it is definitely a pill I'd have to swallow to do that. Cause there is a pretty big price difference between the, the air and the, and the pro. And I think actually for me right now, the better question is, do I even get an iPad or do I just stick with my iPhone and my MacBook pro? Does the iPad air three work with a uh, sidecar? Yes. It does. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that, there's definitely a, a, a from a size perspective, the 10.9 inch or the 11 inch are, are like I I think probably that's the perfect size for most people. Mm-hmm. But I think that the iPad Air in its current you know its current um, iteration just leaves a little bit to be desired. I was actually making a video on it yesterday where I was comparing the iPad Air four against the iPad Mini, and for the hundred dollar difference to me, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to buy the iPad Air four because it doesn't really offer that much, only really, in my opinion, just the larger screen is the only benefit. Yeah. What really I think is it will be, I think, a value add for most people when you're thinking about this device is the addition of center stage. And I'm surprised yeah. that, yeah, like that's that's a great feature for a lot of people. And if you look at the iPad, sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting wrong again. If you're looking at the iPad Pro, in comparison to that, the 200 bucks, now you have the center stage, you have the better rear camera, you have better stereo speakers, you have Thunderbolt, you have a faster processor that then starts to add up. So it's like, it's kind of like in a weird place right now, the iPad Air 4. And and to support your point further of maybe eliminating that 11 inch pro or, or doing something different in that size configuration to further your point on that, what can they add to the pro continually to make it more pro versus what features are they going to add to the air to make it better over the years? And I feel like what they can do with the air over the years is, Give it face ID eventually. One less reason to get a pro. They'll probably do better audio at some point, and they'll probably go with four speaker, um, four speakers on the air at some point. One less reason to get the pro. I highly doubt that ProMotion will uh, will stay to the pro level devices, and I'm talking MacBooks, iPhones, and iPads. Highly doubt it'll stay to the pro devices for very long. I feel like that's a given. It's going to happen at some point. So that'd be one less reason to get the Pro. And I feel like as the years go on and each of these devices gets updated, there will be less and less distinguishing features where it really might come down to the camera. And I don't think people buy iPads for cameras. On an iPhone, you can get away with that and saying, hey, the major difference between the iPhone and the iPad or the uh, sorry, the iPhone and the iPhone Pro this year is, you know, the better camera and the iPhone Pro, but they're basically the same. Otherwise, that's been the story for many years of the iPhone, but you can get away with that because people will buy a phone for the camera. 
no one's buying an iPad for the camera. So I think you, I think you're actually kind of onto something there because it, going into the future, those lines are going to be even harder to draw hmm. between the pro that's and the regular. Point. Yeah, that's a good point. Where you know you, you see this filtering down of feature sets that were available or previously available on like more expensive devices as they become more available or maybe easier to uh, as the cost curve comes down. And Apple doesn't need to necessarily charge as much money for the device that's going into. I feel like that Face ID will almost always be not like a pro feature, but it's I don't think it's going to devices lower than the iPad Air. Like, I don't think it'll ever come to the iPad mini. It just seems like it's too low cost of a device. I don't know. But I, of course, I certainly could be wrong. In the near term on that, I can agree with you. But I'd be surprised if by like 2030, we still had devices that oh. used Touch ID exclusively. Yeah, I know that's yeah, really that, far that, away, but just to like, you know, just to go there. I totally subscribe to what you're saying there. You know, in the next decade, can we see Face ID? Mm-hmm. Probably not Not just coming to other devices, probably being the primary authentication mechanism for majority people. You know, like you said, people don't necessarily use their iPads to take photos or maybe not everyone does. It's, you know, a small group of individuals that do that, like five. But um it feels like, like as like a, a pro level feature, like you're always going to want the best display, right? Like you, you or you want something with a nice clean display. Um, you're going to want something that has great audio. You want something that is not extensible, but you can kind of like it is conformable to many different things. And I feel like generally the iPad Air, the iPad, uh, sorry, the iPad Air, the iPad ninth generation, and the iPad Pros, especially, they're very conformable, right? You can add accessories to them, take them away. Where I think that, man, I don't know, like I see Apple maybe doing something different with that 11 inch size. Maybe it's not in its current iteration or its current, um, the way that we picture it, but I can't see them totally wiping away the 11 because it, that, that leaves a big gap in terms of pricing from 599 to 1099, mm-hmm. right? Like it just seems like it's too much. Maybe they'd bring something, maybe they bring something like around like 899, and then they, you know, some way enhance the 10.9 inch uh, iPad Air. I don't know. I'm, I'm, it, it is interesting. The other possibility, and this is something you've predicted a while ago. I saw a rumor that Apple is apparently looking at even larger screened iPads, like a 15 inch iPad. And maybe maybe the Pro line would start to become 12.9 inch and 15 inches. And the iPad Air is the 11 inch model. And then there's the mini. And then just regular iPad. That's the most affordable option. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's it's a good question. If you were to bring in a larger size iPad, obviously it's going to cost more money than the 1099. So it's like maybe 1499 or 1399. But then still, how do you fill in the gap between the iPad Air and the iPad 12.9 inch? Yeah. Like what I don't know. And, And one more thing that like distinguishes the pro phones from the iPhones iPhone from iPhone Pro is the build the uh, build not the build quality but the materials that are used. So like you have aluminum on the iPhone and stainless steel mm-hmm. on the iPhone Pro. I cannot imagine them doing that with iPads. I don't want to hold a stainless steel iPad. They both no. both the Air and the Pro need to be as light as possible. That's aluminum. So it's like even just one more thing that I, I don't think you could distinguish between the models with. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to hold that either. Maybe titanium and they have like aluminum and titanium. Like titanium's stronger, but it's a little bit lighter. And I think that's the way it is. I think I'm pretty sure titanium's stronger, but lighter than aluminum, but it's more expensive. Maybe like that would be the pro model. 
and then the air would be a little bit heavier, but it's aluminum, so it's more affordable. I don't know. Maybe they could do it that way. Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question, and, and I am very interested to see what they do. Um, my wife has the iPad Air for it, but it's she uses it to play like um, some kind of like some weird game. I forgot what it's even called, but she doesn't even use it to its full capability. I think, well, she would not necessarily need an upgrade. I don't know anyone who has an iPad Air 4 that is constrained by it. But if you are one of those people, let me know because I'd love to know what you're doing. Maybe what they could do is bring in something that is more stripped down for, so maybe something for like home automation, like a like an iPad that's dedicated to home automation or maybe not home automation, but like, you know, it lives on your counter like as a assistant or something like that. Yeah, like a know. HomePod, but with an iPad attached to it kind of thing. Yeah, uh, I guess it really wouldn't be an iPad Air 4 or an iPad Air 5. I don't know. I think, uh, actually, I don't know what I think. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've kind of gone two different ways in, the, in throughout our conversation. I'm like, oh, yeah, he's got a good point. I'm like, oh, wait, no, I, what about this? I'm like, oh, no, he does have a good point, though. So I I, I do, Holden, I, I do subscribe to some of the things that you're saying there for sure uh, in terms of where it could go. I, I just, I, I don't think I had my mind made up yet. I, don't, I haven't had enough time well, to think you, about it. You got me on that path with the whole, because you sent me the message about the 11-inch going away. Actually, I can't remember what I said that day, but I think I wasn't on board, but then I, I've <laughs> yeah, you. You you were like they should they should limit oh, they, yeah. they should bring pro apps bring pro apps to the iPad and yeah. only make them available for the pro, and I'm like oh that's not a bad idea and then you're like no I don't like that idea I'm like okay, yeah I literally re- I replied to myself and I'm like this is actually a terrible idea <laughs> yeah that's funny well they used to do that with the um, pro apps like it used to be that Final Cut was um, Final Cut Pro and Logic Pro were only available on MacBook or PowerBooks and. Um, that's the uh, that's oh, wow, changed. I know that. Yeah, uh, at least I think that was true. I'm pretty sure, unless unless it's like a like a line my dad fed me or something like that when I was younger, so I couldn't get Final Cut. <laughs> oh no, they don't sell that for the iBook. I don't know. I, I totally would have fallen for something like that. I'll look into it at some point. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about this next topic here. Same, it's along the same lines. This is the iPhone SE three, which is be rumored to come out this spring, according to Mark Gurman over at Bloomberg. But the iPhone SE was last updated in 2020, so it looks like it's a two-year product cycle. Um, if that's the case, what this is supposedly meant to be is a device that has 5G, not necessarily supporting a millimeter wave, but supporting a smaller subset of 5G services. Now, I am interested because I don't, I didn't see this in the article, if I'm not mistaken. The design language that it's going to use, whether it's going to have the same design language as the iPad, sorry, the iPhone SE 2, or if it's going to be something like a iPhone mini. Uh, let me just double check that. Yeah, there's no kind of firm, firm uh, one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it makes sense that they're obviously they're progressing the, all their devices to add 5G, which I know you have 5G on your phone. Have you come across 5G in your neighborhood or in your where you live? I'm, I don't even have the plan for it. I don't think it's worth it right now. Oh, okay. It's fine. I actually still have 5G labeled the top of my phone though, but it's not the real 5G. It's like the expanded LTE. Okay. In terms of, you know, two years seems like it's been like a real long time, but it seems sooner than the, the previous device, uh, the previous update cycle, where I think it was almost like three years, if I'm not mistaken. When did the iPhone SE come out? 2016 was the first one, I think. It came out March 31st, 2016. You are right. So it was actually four years. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So the first iPhone SE was basically an iPhone 5S, right? Yeah, it was, the, it was the 5S, yeah. Yep, and then now you have that 
now it's an iPhone 8, or basically kind of a, a rebadged iPhone 8. Man, what, what what would they do? Would they use an iPhone 10? Like an iPhone 10 body? Wow. I don't know. I think from the rumors I was reading, and obviously we won't know until it actually happens, but the rumors I was reading was originally it was supposed to be using the iPhone 11 chassis, but then they scrapped that to go for the iPhone 8 chassis again. But then in like 2024, they'll do the iPhone 11 chassis. Wow. So this will be the device that has touch, the only device that has touch ID in the lineup Yeah, well, from a phone perspective. Which I think is fine. I mean, I don't think someone who wants the latest features, who's like, oh, I got to have face ID is going to be getting the the least expensive iPhone. If they really wanted that feature, they can just spend an extra $100 and get the iPhone 11. And I don't think that's a huge deal at all. That's a good question. Let's look at the pricing. You brought that up before. I think it's 400 for the SE and then I think it's 500 for the 11, I think. So the iPhone SE is $399 and it's the iPhone 8, it looks like. It's the A13. Wow. And it's 499 for an 11 at 64 gigabytes of storage. Yeah. Okay, so from the iPhone SE first generation to the second generation, it went from a 4-inch to a 4.7-inch. And what you read was they were going to keep the iPhone 8 chassis. So it's still the iPhone 4.7 inch, right? Yeah. Still a retina display, but presumably you're going to get something like the A14 or the A15 in there. Rumor is A15, which is amazing. Wow. But they did do that with the iPhone SE last time is they used the latest chip in it. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's it's impressive. It's a great value for someone who just wants to buy a phone for cheaper and hold on to it for a long time. Having an A15 in there will ensure that is the case. Yeah. So this is available at 24128. They offer it in red, which is interesting. Six core CPU. Okay. Camera is just, it's, it's, it's a good camera. No face ID. I don't know. I think that if they're talking about launching this device in March of this year, there are other things that, you know, either we haven't talked about or there's other things that uh, maybe are outside this conversation that they're going to talk that they're going to announce at that event because you're not going to have an event strictly for an iPhone SE yeah, 3. Yeah, that'd be pretty amazing. Right? It's our most magical iPhone we've released. <laughs> yeah, so there there is one time I think they had an event and it was just the iPhone. It was when they when they brought the iPhone to Verizon. Um Yeah, I remember that. That was the iPhone 4S. Yep. And that was iPhone that was 4. back in was iPhone 4. And it was like in like February. It was like months after it came out. Yeah. That's, I think, maybe more interesting is what else are they going to put on, you know, quote unquote, the docket to have there because they're not going to have an event just for one device. At least that's um, that's my perception. I would hope they would show something new with the Macs. So an iMac Pro or finally seeing what the um, iMac Pro will be like with the M series chip in it. I don't think we will see Apple Vision or whatever the rumored name is for the AR VR goggles. Hmm or headset goggles is I'll say Facebook doesn't like using that term. I'll say that. Yeah. I think that's something we'll, I think we'll see those, the VR headset at WWDC, but maybe they can show off a Mac as well. I don't know if they hmm. need to do an iPad. There's no new M chip and it'd be very, very strange to introduce an M chip with like M2 with an iPad. Yeah, it would be the only other, or not the only, but the other thing I could see them talking about was, you know, let's just say we're wrong on the iPad pro and they announced that the, now the iPad Pro comes with the new display, you know, the, the mini LED display. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only thing. Like, if it's just kind of a, it's like a refresh of an existing device where they don't necessarily give it much, not screen time, but much uh, stage time. I don't know. 
maybe AirPods Pro 2. Yeah, just yeah, that might that'd be a good one to show off there, especially if I don't know. Based on some of the, we'll get. Oh, we'll talk about when we when we talk about the AirPods stuff. I won't go there yet. Yeah, but we can uh, we can transition to that. I'm just not super excited about the iPhone SE three. I mean, it's not for us. Yeah, it's not. I can't imagine okay. I would see this and go, man, screw my iPhone 13 Pro. I'm getting an SE three. Yeah, no, not gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the AirPods and AirPods AirPods Pro two. So there was an article in, is it called Hi-Fi? Cancel? What's the name of the, the publication? Is it Hi-Fi? 9 to 5 Mac is where this article links to, but the original source, what Hi-Fi? What Hi-Fi? So what Hi-Fi an applica- or is a publication where uh, they sat down with Gary Ga- Gibbs, Gaves? I'm going to butcher his name. I'm sorry, Gary. Who's the VP of acoustics at Apple. And he talks about AirPods 3. You know, there's many things that they talk about in the article, but it's really, uh, I think what they, people are drawing focus to is that how Apple feels maybe constrained by the bandwidth limit of Bluetooth 5.0, which you can't get high quality audio over Bluetooth because of the speed of the bit rate between the two devices. So I think this is interesting where they talked about like kind of the steps they went to, to make sure that all the components of the AirPods 3 were kind of newly designed or maybe rethought through. But it does, I think maybe one makes me feel better that maybe AirPods Pro 2 will have a different communication technology than the AirPods Pro. But it also makes me real feel really crappy because my AirPods Max, like we've never gotten the update for AirPods Max for lossless audio. And I'm still waiting for that. And that that has to be something that Apple wants to do with the AirPods line in general. I can't imagine that they're fine with, you know, wireless, non-lossless audio on on AirPods. I, I can't imagine it's fine. And this quote from from Gary, I oh, think Gary. is as suggestive as you get from an Apple employee in an interview that like, wink, wink, we're doing this feature. I mean, the quote at the very end here is, but it's fair to say we would like more bandwidth and dot, dot, dot. I'll stop there. We would like more bandwidth. <laughs> to say like they clearly want it and they're not going to say we want this but we're not going to approach it at all or find a way around it i mean so i think this is a good example to tie back to not to draw a long conversation but uh to draw back or to tie back to iMessage where they're talking about being able to squeeze as much as they can from an existing spec which right and being able to want to push it further because of the way that they see the feature roadmap of that service kind of evolving or not service, but of that hardware evolving where again, this um, RCS is, you know, they have no way of other than by like committee of being able to push this uh, further along than what they want. I don't know. So I, I'm going to be honest with you. I did not keep the AirPods three. I totally sent them back. (laughs) Um, I'm like, I can't keep these. No, you have AirPods Pro. There's no point. There's no point. And they were just, I think we told you they were replaced very recently. I would love to see some pair of AirPods that have higher quality audio. Do you, I don't know if you remember this, but when you went from making like circuit calls or circuit, circuit based voice calls on your like 3G or quote unquote 4G phone, and then you went to what, which is Volte, like LTE calls, it went from like, talking on a tin can and strings to being able to talk very clearly in high definition voice 
I hope they kind of rethink all that as well because it's night and day difference. Do you know what I'm talking about or no? No, I don't. Person here. I don't. No. So is that is that the voiceover LTE? Is that what you're talking about? Yep. Okay. So you're that's talking about uh, that. Volte. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Volte came out like in 2016 on the iPhone 10s, if I'm not mistaken. But prior to that, when you made a phone call, it was all over circuit switched. IP, uh, circuit switch networks. So instead of you know being IP based, it was all circuit switch based, and the voice quality f- for that. So the way that the call is recorded and played back, it's it's a lower quality than Volte. Have you ever made a call with FaceTime audio? Yeah, it sounds incredible. It sounds incredible. So that's like even a further iteration down in terms of voice quality that they have implemented in the vocoder and everything. So hopefully they'll be able to do something similar with this next. You know, communication stack that they have. Mm-hmm. So it's, it was funny about that is I felt crazy over the weekend because uh, over the uh, over the uh, holiday, I had gotten my mom an iPhone 13 Pro and she had, came from iPhone 8 and I could have sworn the audio quality sound distinctly better when I talked to her on her iPhone 13 Pro. And she's like, I don't oh, hear any difference. And I'm like, I'm crazy. This must sound different. Is It sounds way better to me. And yeah, okay, there it is. I'm not crazy. Yeah. It turns out I'm not crazy. <laughs> no, yeah, it turns out you're not crazy. I, so it, it's it's subtle, but if you're listening for it, you could definitely tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely tell. What do you think about the rumor that these AirPods are going to ditch the stem? Or the Air- AirPods Pro th- um, 2 are going to ditch the stem and, and just be like the pill shape you put in your ear? So I two thoughts. So one, I'm... Like, I'm excited by that because I, I told you I sleep with my AirPods and sometimes this is just like a little bit too bulgy from my ears or bulging out of my ears. So I'm kind of like being selfish when I say that. Uh, but the second part is that I think that you'll get like a better fit, but I don't know how. So it would be like the the Beats, the new Beats headphones. Is that right? Yep. Where it's like the, hmm. I haven't used the new Beats headphones. How would you like play and pause music? I don't know. I have no idea. Is there a touch surface on there? Maybe on the top of the pill, you can like squeeze the top and like pinch it maybe. Mm. What I wouldn't want is I wouldn't want uh, the ear hooks. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where they have like this like yeah. silicone ear hook. I don't want that for sure. No, I don't like those. No, you look funny. You look funny. Also, I don't know person. how that would fit in the AirPods case. And this is like one of the best things about AirPods is, is this case. It's perfect. Yeah. Except when I had problems I with it. But like outside of technical issues, like warranty issues, it's great. It's great. Did you get a new one? Yeah, I did. You got it replaced, right? Yeah, it literally took a month to arrive. But yeah, it's it's improved. Anything else that you want to talk about, Holden? No, I, I actually have a question for you is what is the one thing that you're most excited to see this year from Apple? That's a very good question because I actually responded to someone who asked that. And I don't think, so personally speaking, nothing I own is like where I'm like, oh my gosh, I want them to upgrade it. And I think that's partly because everything I have in my work, you know, in my setup is largely brand new. This is going to sound stupid. I would like to see some kind of like better like charging mechanism, not like air power, but mm-hmm. something where you can have faster charging for the Apple Watch that's not like the current like the current stands that they have out there. Mm-hmm. So what I would want to see from them is some type of better accessory support for like MagSafe fast charging that they have today. 100%. So yeah. the current the current group of accessories are just not my cup of tea so to speak. But everything in my in my kind of realm or my sphere is new and I don't think that there's like I don't have a lot of friction or angst around if that's the right word um around 
the devices that I have, like the, the MacBook, I told you in the beginning, I love it. The iPad, I have no questions about that. Maybe AirPods Max, but I don't use them enough to really be like, oh, wow, like this is the, like it really needs it. Like at the, as, mount, as much as I do use them, they work perfectly fine for me. Like I would, I would probably even think that I might not have to upgrade my iPhone this coming year. Yeah. Because it's just, if I were going to upgrade, um, it would be to get a smaller, you know, I, I'd get the iPhone 14 and not get the Pro Max. You know, big, just get the, the Pro like phone. you did. Yeah, not get the big phone. If there was a, dis- you know, some type of display that offered like distributed computing, when I say distributed, like distributed um, where I could have a display with a GPU in it and I could use my computer, connect to it and get some type of faster performance that way, that would be interesting. But I'm not constrained today by my computer at all. I don't know. I, I can't really think of anything. I, I think it's, I personally am in a good space. What about you? I, in terms of like me personally, I feel like I'm in a good space too. There is almost nothing yeah. that I would, I can think I would want to buy this year. I got the the subscription Apple Care Plus on both my devices because I just plan on having them longer than the one-time payment would allow for. Like I want to have these things for a very long time. So I'm not buying a MacBook this year. I'm not buying an iPhone this year. Earlier, I kind of mentioned, like, I don't even know if I want to get a new iPad. So yeah, I totally agree on all those fronts. I totally agree on MagSafe accessories. I wanted to get a bunch of MagSafe accessories with my phone, but there's just nothing that's that interesting to me. And a lot of them don't even charge yeah. at MagSafe speeds. It just It's not a great ecosystem yet. I think the main thing for me right now is it's just more out of curiosity more than excitement is I just mm-hmm. kind of want to see what this Apple headset is. I've always had this idea that it would really yeah. just be a development unit to make AR apps with, but the rumors are saying, oh no, gaming applications and like all sorts of stuff, but it's also going to be really expensive and they're not going to have a lot of them. And this is this whole thing sounds so strange to me. I I'm very eager to see how Apple positions this because it's not the AR glasses. This isn't going to be a whole new paradigm like like I think the iPhone was or what we were expecting the glasses to be. So I, I don't know. I'm very, very curious about that. Just more to see how Apple positions it than anything else. Yeah. So that does sound interesting. But I. so the, the way that I read your question, and this is not just really a reflection of you, it's just how I interpreted it. Mm-hmm like what I personally would look like or not look like what I would look for. I didn't even consider air glasses because I don't personally don't think I have a use case for it Yeah, in the way that it's currently being presented. But you are right. There is, there is interest in that. So what I could maybe just to slightly adjust or alter my statement. I think the only thing I would like to see from them is something in terms of a better magic keyboard functionality like it's Mm -hmm. just the current magic keyboard is not very uh it's not very robust there's it still leaves a lot to a lot of things to be desired the the way that the the fabric is good but it's it certainly could be better like it it leaves like oils on your hand or oils yeah i'm sorry the uh, the, yeah the magic keyboard for the ipad pro but that's really about it like i think a lot of the like you my setup is is pretty solid right now i'm still not convinced about the whole air headset not that Minchi Quo was wrong or it's just, I don't, I don't know what they're doing with it. It's kind of like the iPhone SE 3. I'm just not <laughs> sold on it yet. Yeah. It, it makes sense to me as a development unit. Like, hey, in order to make AR development easier, we're going to make this, it's a pricey headset, but it's going to be great to make AR applications with. That makes sense to me. Like it's not a consumer product. This is really just something to make 
the best possible way to develop AR apps and actually use AR and live in it because they need to have that set up for um, AR glasses that are going to be coming in the future. So it makes sense to me, but all the rumors are saying that it's, it is a consumer device and that doesn't make any sense to me. It feels like Apple's so late to the game on that. I don't really know what they could do that's interesting, but the glasses are the one that would be interesting, but I don't know what this is. It feels like Apple coming out with a BlackBerry before the iPhone and being like, we're getting into smartphones. Like it just, it seems strange to me. I don't know what to make of it. So I'm, I'm perplexed like you are. So what did you think of the whole metaverse announcement from uh, from Meta? Here's a, a meta look at it outside of the tech itself. But the meta look is I think it's very deeply concerning technology. I don't like it. And I think this might be the first time where I have the old man like back in my day kind of thing. I just don't I don't like this idea of like living in the metaverse and and all that. I don't know. Okay, so I'll be honest with you. I am not sold on it whatsoever. Yeah, neither am I. Yeah, I'm optimistic to understand that there is a point in the future where things that they described and showed will come to reality. And that's funny because we're talking about AR glasses. They'll, you know, they'll be integrated into our life in such a point. But I don't think that, you know, this is obviously not the final iteration. This is, you know, this is like a very, very small step into that direction. And I don't think that we get to a point where it's like usable by like mainstream for like five or six years. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't. It's, it's just not. Uh, I'm the crotchety deal, man. That's funny. You said that. <laughs> so it's like um, this is a whole huge topic. But like I was watching this Wall Street Journal video where they kind of uh, talked to some people who were buying the real the real estate in, in the metaverse. And they're like, oh, we really want to build like out these like shopping malls and like, all this kind of stuff in, in, in the VR world. And I'm just like. I just I, I'm just so uncomfortable with that. I'm just really, really uncomfortable with that. Like we spend so much time looking at our phones to begin with and living in, you know, isolated bubbles on social media and stuff. And this is actually a point for a Mr. Who's the boss. When people can start to create literally their own reality in the metaverse and live in like an even bigger bubble or an even more powerful bubble than like a social media scrolling feed. I don't know. I think that's just like a really bad idea in terms of like the benefit of technology versus some of the detractors. Like, I think you can have a conversation with social media with like, oh, yeah, there's benefits to social media. but There's also some big downsides to social media. You can have that conversation. That's fine. I don't see what the benefit to this is, but I can only see this having a lot of downsides. You're more disconnected, all that. You know, it's it's funny that we have a very similar opinion and I'm like 20 years your, your peer. Where I'm like, I, this makes no sense to me. Like, I, I totally get it. Like, I understand how the, like, how it will progress. But who would, like, we are human beings that, like, thrive on social interaction. And the idea that we are going to be isolated from people in real world only to go into this, this you know, this meta universe or this, this uh, metaverse, meta universe, this metaverse to do the same thing what we do, that we would do in real life, but we're not doing in real life for whatever reason, it it doesn't make any sense. Like, I just, I can't, I, I can't get to the same conclusion that they're at. Yeah, I can't either. I was talking to a friend about this and he's, he was saying like, I don't understand why you go to a shopping mall and buy VR things that don't have real world value. And I was like, to play devil's advocate, I was saying like, well, Buying something in in the metaverse will have real world value if your real world is the metaverse. World. 
if you are going to host and, you know, have friends over at your virtual reality house, then buying a nice house with real money is would be real world value in quotes. But the whole thing is just creepy to me. I actually really recommend watching Mr. Who's the Boss video on his concerns for the metaverse. I think it's actually really good. Oh, cool. If you could send me the link, I would watch it. Yeah. Have you read the book or seen the movie for Ready Player One? I have, yeah. I, I know that's that's obviously like 10 steps like further than what they're painting right now. But that even to me was like so far-fetched science fiction that I, I don't mm-hmm. – like it's, it's a good story, but it's not something that I'm like, oh, wow, I could totally see – like I can, there's many times where I can look at something, uh, not to sound like very like uh, arrogant, but I'm like, okay, I can understand how they got there with by these five or six steps. Like I don't mm-hmm. even understand how they're getting to these like conclusions. I'm like that's way far from what I would think. Yeah, I don't know. It is interesting, but it just seems like it's way way out there. Like these guys were tripping acid for like ten days, <laughs> and they're coming up with ideas like, do do the the metaverse but to your friend's point whomever that was or whoever that was he was skeptical like too, people to be clear. today he was skeptical he was just questioning okay. today people spend real real world money on like in-game tokens or skins for mm-hmm. their characters that that yeah. you know have no real world value so i don't know I, I wonder what daniel thinks i would like to hear daniel oh yeah do you know he's gotta yeah. be very absolutely he's gotta be very pessimistic about it <laughs> he's gotta oh, be yeah. very pessimistic. well like from like a from a political standpoint, I don't want to get like too political here, but like we get so combative with each other online. I'm not talking about me and Daniel. I mean, like just people generally, like people get so combative on okay. social media. And I'm like, would we really just start to see like Ready Player One play out with like, like when you get like a little debate with someone on like on Twitter or something like that, would that just play out in the metaverse as like people beating each other up in the metaverse and like these massive Ready Player One battles? Like, would you start to see stuff like that in there? Like, it just sounds so weird. Very strange. It does. It does. And I mean, people have to make their land grabs, right? Literally, or actually not literally, virtually, when you think about people buying real estate in the the, the metaverse, they have to because they want to be like that first mover and get, they have this, um, oh, yeah. this advantage. But I don't know. Like it's the whole thing with NFTs. I'm like, I don't see that. I'm not convinced by NFTs. <laughs> I feel like NFTs, is, I just <laughs> oh, don't understand God. it. I don't get it. Okay. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't get it and I don't believe it either. I'm sorry if anyone's listening to this who thinks <laughs> that we're two crotchety old men, but I promise you Holden is not old. I am old. So that's okay. Don't worry about it. But I, I don't understand the value. Maybe not the value because you know value is subjective. It's all about what we can collectively agree upon yeah. what is or is not valuable. But like what I don't understand is that, okay, yes, you have this, you have this good that is verified that you own the good, but who's stopping the person who created it from duplicating it? Like, why can't they just make another one? Or not even that, but like, I, I'd want to have that image just for like, oh, it's my wallpaper on my phone. Like, it's saying it's an image or something like that. Oh, I wanted to my wallpaper on my phone or something like that. Why would I spend hundreds of dollars on that NFT when I could just literally take a screen grab of that picture on the website I was viewing it on and then just use that? You know what I mean? Like, what to me, there's no difference. I'm not going to hold on to it to change the value over time. I don't care about that kind of stuff. So I just don't like, I don't know. It doesn't speak to me. So that's why I think I'm confused by it. Are you someone like, are you, are you a collector? Like, you no, like you collect no. things? That's the thing is I'm very much not a collector. I'm very much a minimalist in that way. I don't like having a lot yeah. of physical stuff or like holding on to things like in general. Like I, I, I have things because I use them. And if I don't use it, I'll delete the app off my phone. Like I don't even keep apps on my phone that I don't like use. So for example, like I'll delete them off if I don't use it because I want to be as clutter free as possible. 
Yep. It's like, I, I have this, if I haven't used it in two years, it's going in the garbage. Like I'm not keeping it because I mm-hmm. don't want the, like the overhead of worrying about what it is or what, you know, this is a piece of a cleaning cloth, yeah. but just like you, I'm, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to keep too much stuff around. I don't know. We'll, yeah. we'll have to table this conversation for another day. Yeah, absolutely. It is interesting. I, I, I like to continue the conversation for sure. And I also think some people are probably listen to this going, oh my God, these guys don't get it. <laughs> yes. So if yeah. if you think Holden and I do not get it, let us know, tweet us and tell us how much or how much we're out of touch with reality. And maybe see Holden, I would say maybe it's like a millennial thing, but you're not even a millennial. You're, are you a Gen I'm X or a, I'm a Gen Y? I'm a millennial. You are a millennial? Yeah. Okay. What's the one after millennial? It's a Gen Z? Yeah, I think Gen Z. My brother is Gen Z, but I'm not. Okay. So maybe it's someone who, like, maybe they're millennials or Gen Zs that, Gen Zers, I don't know what the right term is, uh, who have some kind of inside track. I know if Gary V was here, he'd be talking all about it, about NFTs and the metaverse <laughs> and all that stuff. <laughs> but I don't, I do not subscribe to that idea in either case. Yeah. Holden, where can everyone find you at? I am on Twitter, kind of. I don't know. I don't really do Twitter as much anymore, but I'm on Twitter at Holden DePardo. And then I'm here. That's like, that's really where I am. You, again, I say every time, follow Michael. He's much more interesting than I am. He's got a great YouTube channel. He's got a great Twitter account. And I just, I don't know. I'm here. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. Hi. Holden, thank you very much for joining me today. Everyone, thanks very much. And we will talk to you in the next one. Bye. Bye.